Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 400,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Yesterday, Cliff Sora shared a top 10 list of hot fusion restaurants, a vegan gluten-free mashup recipe, and a podcast featuring organic food trends. Oh, TMI, I. Too much internet information. That's oversharing. Cliff, Geico has something worth sharing with your friends. Like how on Geico.com you could save hundreds on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim. Gluten-free info that's easy to swallow. Mm. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Wake Up Mission Show with your host, Shalene Nightingale and Randy D. because I couldn't find any other than that one thing. <laughs> I actually had I actually have quite a bit. Um uh, well since you just have that one thing, go ahead and share it because it's actually really cool what you found and will encourage our listeners, especially after the last few days, for those who listen to the day. Go ahead. Okay, well, it's more like a good news, this day in history type of thing. Actually, I quizzed some people on social media earlier today, and, well, two out of, I think, five got it right. Uh, you you didn't answer, but I know you already knew. But anyways, uh, today marks the anniversary of a historic battle in the independence of this nation. Um it was, uh, let's see, it was 235 years ago, and, and this is why this date is important, especially given what has happened, what we reported on, and what's been in the news the last, oh, geez, oh, week, I guess now. Well, anyways, 
October the 7th, 1780, is the date the Patriot Militia from Virginia, Tennessee, and uh, Gaston County, North Carolina, soundly defeated the Loyalist Militia led by Major Patrick Ferguson at the Battle of Kings Mountain. Now, anyone that lives in the area knows, you know, the Kings Mountain battleground uh, and you know, can can take it for granted. I've I've ridden through there many a times on my motorcycle. It's a beautiful scenic ride. It's just not long enough. It, it's only the the battleground road is, I think, like four or five miles. I wish it went on for like a couple hundred miles, really, because it, it's it's a beautiful ride. But anyways, uh, that that's not important. Um, it's an important date in our country's hist history. Um, and the reason being is before this battle, things were not looking very good for the, well, you know, the, the Continental Army, or as the article states, the home team. <laughs> uh, but as word of the victory spread, the fight for independence took on new energy, and eventually it was the success at Kings Mountain that was credited with turning the tide of the Revolutionary War. Now, much of the credit for winning the battle goes to the men who traveled over the Appalachians from Tennessee and Virginia. They were called the Overmountain Men. Uh, and Gaston County uh, also had a regiment that did their part. Um, and uh, this is very telling. Liberty-loving settlers. They were known as the South Fork Boys. Now, there's a river called the South Fork River. Uh, between, uh, it's just outside of Charlotte, maybe, I don't know, five miles or something. There's two big rivers, Catawba River and the South Fork River. Well, anyways, they marched with Major William Chronicle from Belmont, North Carolina. I used to live in Belmont. It's a, it's a great little town. It, it's a suburb of Charlotte. Uh, they Well, they marched with Major William Chronicle to meet the enemy. And he was only 25 years old. And he lost his life uh, at the Battle of Kings Mountain on that day. But his memory lives on, especially with the local chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution that actually bears his name. And you ask, what's the major benefit of knowing that today marks the anniversary of the Battle of Kings Mountain? Well, just look at look at what's going on around in the world today, uh, or here in this country today. Uh, we need more South Fork boys and more over mountain men here, right at home, because uh, well, the, the tyranny um, it's it's on our own shores and it's from within. And I'm not going to dwell on that because this is Good News Day, but that that is an important date in the history of our country because. Of that um, particular battle, it did turn the tide of the war for independence. And remember, the the Continental Army and the local militias, well, let, let's just focus on the local militias for a minute. These were just regular, everyday people that uh, basically they put down, you know, they, they, they put down the um, pitchfork and whatever farming implements were used back then and picked up their muskets and they went to fight for their freedom from uh, King George and the, uh, the, the loyalists and the British occupation force. So 
that's something to think about. Yeah, they were outmanned, outgunned. You know, at the time, the British Navy, the British Army was considered to be the best trained, the most powerful, and well-equipped, um, you know, fighting force on the face of the earth. So that was uh, something to when when you look at today's events, you know, well, what can I do? You know, we're we're outmanned, we're outgunned. Um, well, you know, so were they, and they had the cojones to get up and do something about it. Now, I'm not advocating uh, that people, you know, put down your smartphones and get out from behind your computer and go out and cause trouble. I'm not advocating for that at all. But if push comes to shove and you are backed into a corner then you may have no choice. We're not there yet, but... I have a question. Uh, okay. Right there, because, you know, we have the history now. Uh, I've got a question, Randy. Mm-hmm. Why are we as a society so afraid of having a real revolution with guns anyway? Do you think that the founding fathers, you know, the colonists that around, I mean, I'm sure there were some, there's always the weak need willies, you know, in every generation. But do you think if they sit around and said, oh, well, you know, real working is peaceful, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to have anything bad. But no, they didn't. They got out there and they took action. I don't understand. We have been so uh, brainwashed, indoctrinated, so much propaganda out there that we've become a society that is afraid of doing what the founding fathers wrote very clearly in the Declaration of Independence. I mean, they said, if your government basically changes and is overtaken by, you know, an enemy force, uh, overthrow them and start anew. They weren't weak kneeling in their language. They were quite clear, overthrow them. So I don't understand why it is that we're not supposed to advocate for a revolution. Uh, I really don't. You know, yeah, we can continue to pray. We can continue to vote. We can continue to do all those things. But at some point, uh, we as a people have to decide, do we want to live under tyranny? Because the tyranny is growing. Yes, this is good news Wednesday, but this is just food for thought. You've got a rising ISIS say Muslim, a rising ISIS, rising Islam movement uh, in the United States. So you've got that. You've got a, a person in the Oval Office who's now discussing an executive order to take away our guns, right? You've got the UN Agenda 23. You've got the, the rise of Marxism, in our country, and as of, you know, Monday, we learned Karl Marx, Paul Alinsky, were Satanists, uh, that you, if you're following rules for radicals, you're following rules for Satan. So it's really like how much more are people going to take? Your children are being indoctrinated um, and becoming anti-American and anti-Christian in the public schools. It's really interesting because I already produced my, my Liberty Tree segment for tomorrow, uh, Randy, and I was, you know, I try to get audio. I try to mix it up. A little me, a little audio, you know, because I think right. people are going to get started listening to my voice. And I was watching what I thought was going to be good. It was the young millennials and, 
He seemed real sharp, white couple of white guys. Um, and I'm saying that because you know, everybody always wants to jump to conclusions that, you know, minorities are are, you know, liberals and that's not true. Minorities are conservative and white people are progressive. I mean, come on. You know, there's so let's stop labeling people. But I started watching it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is anti-American. I mean, it was anti-founding fathers. It looked like it wouldn't be the way they had the artwork and the production and all these videos. And I thought, it wasn't that these two were born thinking this. They were indoctrinated somehow, whether it be by movie they have for Christian parents or in the school system. I don't know, but... Uh, we certainly know when we reported on the show all the time what Common Core is, well, we use the word teaching uh, very lightly, what they are, you know, it's propaganda, what they're indoctrinating your children with. And we've been telling everyone what's been happening at the universities, especially here in California. So, you know, at some point, if they grab all the youth, there's going to be far less people by the time our generation dies Brandy, that love America. You're going to have not only, you know, progressive radicals that were American, you're also going to have foreigners that are here that are half the population. It's not going to be American. So really, you have to ask, how much more is it you're going to take? And are you, you know, so I, mean, I don't think we should be afraid of, of adhering to language that our founding fathers have in the Constitution Bill of Rights and, and the Declaration of Independence. I'll just give you an example. Monday night, uh, PayPal, I don't know if you know this, Randy, they shut down, say they were hacked. Somehow their system was down for hours. So you couldn't use your PayPal. Uh, if you were transferring money from your bank into PayPal, you couldn't use them. Uh, if you were trying to get money out of PayPal, you couldn't do it. If you were trying to pay something with PayPal, you couldn't do it. Was that a test? You have to start asking these questions. When we have such advanced technology, why this is the second time in, I think, less than two months that a banking system of some type has gone down. Uh, so, you know, you know, just the warnings are there. You should heed them. You should be careful. And we should uh, think, like, uh, what's the, what is wrong with thinking revolutionary? I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. As long as it's for uh, God, family, and country. So with that, Randy, there are some great patriots that remind me of what the militia you just shared. Um, uh, less than uh, 48 hours ago, uh, uh, a guy in Oregon, his name is Casey, he posted on Facebook that he wanted to assemble Friday uh, in Roseburg because uh, Obama's threatening to come there, and they don't want him there. They're like, you've politicized an event here. We have lost family or, you know, where there's been injury in our community. We don't want you. We don't agree with you. Uh, we think you're disgusting. You didn't, you know, your first words out of your mouth were not, you know, I, I, my prayers are out to the family. Just, just leave it at that. It was Here's my parents. Now it's time for gun control. You know, so they're pretty, they're pretty, pretty mad. So he went on Facebook. Well, this went viral. And listen, uh, and at the point, at the time that this article came out, 
It has been less than 36 hours. This came out a little bit earlier today. Uh, 23,000 people have been invited on Facebook alone. That wasn't even counting emails, Twitter, other social media, or any websites. Um, and I guess they uh, uh, counted no less than 26 affiliate groups uh, uh, that are going to be attending. Uh, 2,500 people on Facebook alone listed that they were going, and another 1,000 maybe. Again, that was just one Facebook page. And a lot of people across the country are now uh, setting up shops where they're going to rally in their own vicinities in support of Roseburg that may be some hundred, you know, uh, miles or so away. Um, so that, that, anyway, some don't believe that the rest of the nation, you know, they don't believe has the right to come and tell them what to do. And uh, there's only 22,000 people in Roseburg. And most of them are, you know, against like, apparently what Obama wants to do. Um, and here is what um, one citizen has said in Roseburg. Uh, Please don't come. Please leave us alone and do not use us as father to disowners of this country. And that was what one person stated. So this is good news. There's a, uh, it's going to be in Roseburg. Apparently early in the morning, from what I understand, uh, before work for most people, but apparently there's going to be patriots traveling to Roseburg and other patriots across the country that will indeed be hosting events in their own local regions in support of this community. And they're very lucky, Andy, community. They have a really powerful constitutional spirit. Uh, his name is Sheriff Hanlon. Uh, John Hamlin, and the progressives, let's just call them what they are, especially after Monday's show, the Luciferians, they hate him. Oh, my goodness. We cannot stand him. Um, And he has said, you know, you're not going to disarm, you know, anybody. uh, This is not, we don't want you using this agenda for this. You're definitely, we're not going to, if you have orders, some federal orders of disarming, we're not going to follow those orders here in Roseburg. And that's what he said. Well, and we talked about this yesterday, so I bring this up. When I, I read it after the show, and Randy, I almost called you. I was so excited uh, because I guess the sheriff uh, talked about much about what we talked about yesterday, and he questioned Sandy Hook as well. In fact, he wrote, he had posted a video of, you know, some facts about Sandy Hook. And he said, this makes me wonder who we can trust anymore. Watch, listen, and keep an open mind. So uh, kudos to the sheriff in that community. And again, when a law enforcement officer, when a law enforcement officer who investigates crimes that on a daily basis says that after looking at some evidence, you yourself, a non-law enforcement officer, a non-expert, to kind of take heed to, to what a law enforcement person, even if they haven't not personally been to Sandy Hook to investigate it. And we talked about that in great, great detail uh, yesterday. So um, I think that's that. It's, you know, I actually think, Randy, it's very good news. Mm. Well, yeah, I like and, that. It- 
you know what? It would be funny if they blockaded the roads and he had to turn tuck tail, turn his little um, motorcade around and go get back on his little or our motorcade, I should say, and tuck tail and get back on our airplane and go pollute the air and uh, fly his worthless ass back to Washington. Um, <laughs> that would be funny. Or, you know, if people started throwing bricks and rocks at his, at his little limousine or SUV or whatever he's riding in, that, that would be hilarious. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned Sandy Hook and we, uh, we kind of talked about it last night who we had a guest on our show a few months ago and he he said that was a total false flag because he had actually called some had something to do with the school up there uh before it happened and it, it, the school had already been closed down or, or something weird had happened yeah. at that school i can't remember for the life of me who that was do you remember no i don't remember but there is you know and i said it on the show yesterday uh you know that is the one like i i said i think roseburg was a planned operation but i think that there were absolutely innocent lives there at the same time that were, were lost i don't know uh the people there were in the know of it uh but and again we connected that to alex who's now on dancing with the stars who he and his friends stopped in paris and france so uh, and he attends that college. So, you know, we talked about it. Listen to, tune in to yesterday's show for, for all of that talk. And Sandy Hook, definitely, I believe that the whole thing was a planned staged operation. Nobody was killed or hurt at all. Uh, I mean, I'm, I mean that, and I don't care who thinks I'm kooky. You go look. There's, in addition to, and I don't remember who the guest was, but in addition to our guest who did some investigating of, uh, of this and called the school that was not even in existence, uh, there's a lot of evidence out there, which is why you don't hear a lot of talk about it very much anymore, except for, well, people like us who sit in the, in the real news uh, so that people will think. And again, we talked yesterday about false flag operations. Uh, 42, there's a site with 42 confirmed uh, political operations from people, uh, governments around the world, uh, which included the U.S., where I think half the list was the U.S., and then there was armed ones that were just U.S. only on another link, and we discussed all those yesterday. Uh, so somebody else that the government also does not, or I should say the progressives also don't like, Lieutenant Governor out of Tennessee, uh, Lieutenant Governor Ramsey. Uh, apparently uh, they hate him because he told Christians that they should uh, make sure that they are armed and protect their families that they had the God-given right and constitutional right to do so. And so, you know, the progressives are all going, you know, you know, having a, eating Fruit Loops about doing cartwheels about now and flipping out. So, you know, I, I would have to say if we were still, if we were giving awards away for, um, you know, great uh, patriots, the first award would go to the sheriff in Oregon and our second would go to the lieutenant governor in Tennessee. So, you know, those stories just prove that there are people out there, Randy, that are indeed, indeed standing up. Not every politician is as bad. As a matter of fact, Jeff Sessions, who I met some years back when I was in D.C., great guy. We do have a few, uh, not many, but we do have a few 
uh, in D.C., Jeff Sessions being one of them. And I guess we had an interview uh, this past weekend. Again, we haven't uh, been, you know, reporting any news the last few shows, but it was an interview this past weekend, and he and Jeff Sessions challenged a Republican um, who are too close to the corporate class for supporting a radical pace of immigration and ask them to push the U.S., you know, that, that they're pushing the U.S. past all records. And he said, America is surging past all historical immigration levels. It is time to slow down. He said it was time to slow down. Uh, slow down, hell, stop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I've always, Jeff Sessions has always been great on this. He's great on a lot of liberty issues as well. Uh, Sessions offered a very detailed fact to demonstrate why he says this. He said, by a three-to-one majority of Americans, they say we should reduce something rather than increase it. That's three-to-one. Of course, that means that, you know, he said that Congress needs to start listening to the American people. Uh, so we want to congratulate Jeff Sessions, uh, who, who has said that. Um, and uh, as a matter of fact, this is what he says. He says, I, you know, I love America. I believe I'm an elected official, and the Americans are who put me in office. The people who should benefit from my actions are the American people. That's who should be first. Some people seem to think they represent groups. They seem to think we represent the whole world. They think we represent business groups and activist groups and LaRosa or the Chamber of Commerce, and we're losing sight of who we represent. It's absolutely clear that too large a flow of foreign workers, particularly lower-skilled workers, hammer American workers, damage their ability to get a raise or to even get a job if that matter has been settled. And someone needs to be worried about those people, of course, referring to we the Americans. I think that's been lost sight of in our nation's capital. Uh, Jeff Sessions, one of the good guys, again, I met him, I met his staff, Talk about a good group of people, and there weren't that many when I was up there, I've got to tell you. Uh, another state and another group of politicians, Randy, that are doing what they're supposed to do is the state of Montana. Now, we talked about this with Sarah Zeeb on our show on Monday. We talked about uh, Obama wanting to have a na- nationalized uh, police force. Well, New Jersey apparently passed a law requiring express local authorization equipment under the Pentagon's 1033 surplus program. So believe it or not, New Jersey, who always, I mean, it's New York and California. We're always time. One of us is always time. I was either first or second for most tyranny. Usually Jersey and Hawaii go for third or fourth place, but in this particular case, New Jersey was one of the first states who said, uh, yeah, we don't don't want your military surplus for our police. We don't want your armored vehicles, your grenade launchers, your night vision goggles, your weaponized drones, and combat aircraft. We don't want that. This is the local police. So uh, believe it or not, New Jersey was the first state to take action, and now Montana is. In fact, the Tenth Amendment Center reported, and we are going to have Michael, yay! Uh, on an upcoming uh, show of, 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 of and he's uh, from the Tenth Amendment, he's actually the founder of Tenth Amendment Center, so he will be on our show soon. 
Anyway, uh, up in there, up in Montana, Republican Representative Nicholas Schwarter introduced House Bill uh, 330 for local law enforcement from receiving significant classes of military equipment from the Pentagon's 1033 program. Well, it passed. Here's a state for people to consider to go to by a 46 to one vote in the state Senate. So that means there's one bad senator up there. In Montana, I wonder if that one. <laughs> I bet um, that one senator up there is going. Oh boy, I'm done now. I have to go get a job at a lobbying firm. <laughs> yeah, and then it went to the House, and the House did equally well, seventy-nine to twenty. Um, and then the governor, uh, Governor Steve Bullock, signed it. And apparently, everybody was shocked. They thought that he would cave in, and and he did not. Uh, now, uh, Montana's HB 330 closes loopholes uh, that allows local departments to even purchase military equipment from homeland insecurity using any type of federal grant money. So congratulations to Montana uh, for, for doing the right thing. So, you know, yes, there are individuals out there that are taking action. We do have a few representatives that absolutely care about us, and we want to thank each and every single one of them. Please think, if you live in Montana, you should think you should be thanking them. You 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 really should. Um, now, another agency that I belong to, HSLBA, it's uh, a homeschooling, uh, like a defense, you know, attorney uh, type organization. They lobby on our, the behalf of homeschoolers. And, and, I, and I love this organization, and actually I'm going to bring them up in the second hour. By the way, we are uh, very honored to have Hal Sertloff with us today, and I think it's the perfect day for him to come on. We will be talking about the Constitution and other matters uh, today, and I will be bringing up HSLBA because as much as I love them, I have one issue uh, with one of their attorneys, uh, actually the founder, but we'll talk about that in a bit. But here's the good news. Uh, the good news is imagine if the federal government tried to track every student in America based on whether they were private school, public school, or home school. Uh, and we're halfway there because that's what they're doing with public school. They're working on it for private schools. Uh, homeschoolers were about the only ones that they're not tracking yet. Anyway, Congress recently attempted to do just that uh, for children of all Department of Defense civilian and military employees, as we all know, every year Congress passes the National Defense Authorization Act, which, of course, you and I disagree with, but uh, this bill, of course, sets the priorities for the U.S. Armed Forces, um, and normally it flies under the radar, but every year they always had it with something, and this year they added language that would uh, uh, allow the NDAA to, uh, uh, to track homeschoolers. So HSCLA, thank you very much. Uh, they went in there, uh, 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 and that was after uh, uh, Republican Mark Takai. Uh, he was the one who inserted this section, and of course he's from Hawaii, uh, like we said. The four states, California, New Jersey, New York, and Hawaii. Why is Hawaii uh, even the state still? You know what? We don't need Hawaii. Let's deport. You know what? You're no longer part of the U.S. because Hawaii is always voting wacky, and we don't need Hawaii. Japan's not a threat anymore. So, you know what? Hawaii, yeah. you're done. You're out. 
turn in your flag and be your own independent nation. Most Hawaiians, native Hawaiians, they cannot stand people from the mainland. I used to work with a guy that was from Hawaii, and it was racism this, racism that. You you bunch of white people this, you bunch of white people that. And I said, yeah, Hawaii and the whole planet was a paradise before any evil white people ever came along, right? None of, none of the island nations ever warred with each other, and it was just, you know, utopia back then, right? And, of course, he didn't have an answer for it. So, Hawaii, you're out of here. You're not a state anymore. You're your own country. Um, good luck. I will say, though, I had a couple of friends from Hawaii, and um, they lived in Hawaii. I happened to work with them, and I was able to meet them. We used to talk on the phone all the time because we worked together. This was um, after I broke my leg, and I couldn't work in the entertainment industry. I I left, and um, I did work a day job for a little bit, and I was a worked with Feldrum, and so I did at Leanna. Oh, I loved her. She, you would have loved her, too. Drop-dead sports woman. And, um, and and the guy, I can't forgive his name, but super, super sweetheart. And they used to send me presents all the time, and I was able to meet them, and they didn't, think, they didn't feel that way. So, you know, I want to make sure everybody knows not every Hawaiian thinks that way. I also had a friend who I unfortunately lost touch with. She was from Hawaii. Oh, you would have liked her, too. She was a, a singer in a rock band locally, a gorgeous, gorgeous woman, and I hang out with her all the time and didn't feel that way either. So not everybody does, but you're right, Randy, uh, a big uh, majority, a big chunk of the, the population, you're exactly right, that's how they feel, and they certainly don't ever, the representatives don't ever seem to feel American. So anyway, thank goodness, though, it was found, HSLBA went in there, and um, they then they got it removed. They got that that language removed. But uh, so before that, so there are individuals and actions being taken on our behalf. And I'm really glad that we can report all of this here on on Wonderful Life Wednesday. And yes, if you're tuning in and you haven't tuned in for a while, uh, Randy and I decided to change up Wednesdays. We used to call it Winter Wednesday, but we got a little sick and tired of that because um, it was just it was just draining us. It was just like bad news every single day, and we got a little sick and tired of it. So uh, if you're just tuning in for the first time after a couple of Wednesdays, this is now Wonderful Life Wednesday where we report just uh, good news. And I have more uh, for those of you who are Trump supporters. Uh, and we talked, the reason why I'm going to bring this one up was because on Monday, and we talked about this with, with Sarah Steve when she was on the, uh, on, on the show with us, because they are, you know, the, the mainstream media is trying to say that, you know, Donald Trump is going down in the polls and uh, yada, yada, yada. Well, that is just not true. And right. of, all, of all places, uh, the Huntington Post uh, released, a graph. Uh, I'm not sure. I guess I could. I can save it. I can download it to my computer and upload it. So I'll, you know, I'll I'll try to do that. It's an image uh, after the show, or you can, you know, actually uh, just go to Huffington Post. I guess you can. You can uh, Google. Um, you can Google. Um, uh, you know, the, the presidential. Uh, you know, polls. Uh, I think that's probably how you can do it. But 
anyway, it showed an absolutely different uh, story and shows Donald Trump in every single in every single uh, 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 poll except for one. There was one, and I don't know what this one is. It's like PPPI. I don't I don't know what this one is, but there was just there was just one that. Uh, unfortunately had him in second place, but in every single other poll out there, all the mainstream ones, he's in first place, and his numbers have grown. And, and Randy, when I was looking at this graph, and Jeff Schluck, thank you so much, he wasn't just in lead by a couple of points. It was like eight points, ten points. Like, you know, he's up like 27% in one poll, and the second person's like, you know, 15, for example. So this was pretty much on every single poll. The one poll where he was in second place, the person who was in first was Ben Carson, and uh, and he was just Donald Trump was just like two points behind him in second place. So it just goes to show whether you like Donald Trump or not. That, that, that's not either the here or there. There. The reason why Donald Trump is leading in the polls and people like him is because he's not a politician. He's speaking the truth. And, and he is resonating with Americans who are just plain fed up. They're fed up. Right. So everybody um, be encouraged. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, so, uh, I don't have a link for it or anything like that. I, I was walking by the TV, and it was on, you know, and I had to stop and gawk at Kimberly for a minute. You know, it was the five, um, giving them a cheap plug. But anyways... Not only are the American people fed up with the politicians, they're fed up with the media, too. And they were reporting on it and even said people are fed up with us. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, they're fed up with you, too, because you're not telling the truth either. So that yeah, that, that is good news that people are, you know, at, at least in the polling, showing their displeasure with the entire government and the propaganda arm called the puke stream media and again no one can use that term unless they send me royalties i own it so <laughs> she has a copywritten firm um and that's why like our show numbers are growing that's why alternative bars and uh ben swans uh you know liberty news breitbart uh canada free press you know so they're not so, like, oh, they're, they're increasing. Their numbers uh, are increasing because, also, you know, we're, people aren't fed up with us yet. <laughs> not, apparently. So we want to thank you all for tuning in. You know, I have another uh, piece of good news. This is what happens when people unite together to take action on an issue. Well, uh, this was on Natural News, which is a source I like to go to, naturalnews.com. Uh, Mike Adams, uh, his nickname is the Health Ranger, this is absolutely encouraging. One thing that, it, you know, bipartisan, all partisan, it doesn't matter what your political beliefs are, there is an issue that everybody bands together on, and that was the food issue. People were getting sick and tired of artificial food, artificial flavors, high fructose corn syrup, et cetera. Well, apparently this is catching on. Um, they're calling it the clean uh, food movement, according to Mike Adams. And not only are we winning, we're winning big. Uh, he writes here almost every week another major food manufacturer or restaurant drops GMOs, high fructose corn syrup, artificial colors, aspartame, and some other toxic additives. Clean food activists are winning big. And he put that in big, bold letters. 
and consumer awareness is forcing these large food corporations to clean up their products. So despite all the lies of Monsanto, people are waking up, they didn't buy it, um, and so now there's been some sweeping changes um, at stores like, you know, Trader Joe's who uh, are finding better. I always like Trader Joe's anyway. Oh, uh, I love they're... Trader Joe's. Uh, yeah, I do too. Uh, but one a big one, and I actually noticed this uh, a couple weeks ago myself, because, you know, I have children, and uh, Capri Sun. Uh, Capri Sun is uh, a juice uh, like black, and, you know, that was loaded with just artificial this and that, and high fructose corn syrup. Well, now they've changed, and their labels, and I noticed this at the store just a couple of weeks ago, it now says, now with no high fructose corn syrup. So, that is, uh, you know, one such uh, pouch. And then they have uh, the ingredients, everything on there. They say 35% less sugar, uh, never, you know, any artificial ingredients, that sort of thing. A baby nursery water uh, that is now saying that they have no added fluoride because it was, you know, people were finding that the baby water had fluoride in it. Well, now it, does, now it doesn't. I know there's a grocery store chain in Texas, ACB. And they have now a whole, I guess, non-GMO food section. So that's a big deal. Uh, and then, of course, you give the shout out to Trader Joe's, who has made huge strides toward clean food formulations. And, and, you know, really, I have found a lot of good food there anyway over the years. But also, General Mills uh, foods um, have been, uh, they, you know, General uh General Mills or cereals like Cheerios have always been pretty good, but now they even have Cheerios now. So all of the major foods, even Kellogg's and Post, uh, as far as cereal goes, uh, you can read all of this on the Natural News site, and we will put this link up on our Facebook page, which will also be connected to our website, which is thewakeupmissionshow.com. But, you know, I mean, it may be a minor issue for some of our listeners, but that is an issue where, Randy, people united. Yeah. That march, march against Monsanto, you found, I mean, there were, yes, there were some commies there, but you had, you know, what, you know, the right, you know, very, very conservative people. Everybody came together. There was no arguing on that issue. And look what we were able to accomplish. So I thought this was good news that we needed to report on what can happen. Now I have something that people may Well, everybody say, has to eat. What your politics are, you all have to eat, and people want to have you know as healthy and all natural products as possible. And it was the same thing, you know, a few years ago with Occupy and the Tea Party. People were united, and what did they do? The machine co opted both groups, and now uh, it's back to them yelling at each other again and not being united. Hopefully, that'll change. Well, we will do what we can here on our show to bring unity, but anyway. A couple of my, and I and I meant to call them, and and, and I I just ran out of time. It's really hard because I homeschool and I have a toddler. You know, I have, I've got a lot that goes on in my home, and so I'm trying to, you know, as you know, Randy produced the show, trying to be right. real, happening, which I'm failing at these days because I don't have the time. You know, I'm writing, I'm writing a book. There's just so much that I have very little time, and time escapes me, but. Uh, we do need to call the clients and reach out to them, Randy, because um, the officials are now moving to take uh, the clients. They are the bakers from Oregon. So while Roseburg is rising up uh, for our gun rights, unfortunately the clients 
are in a whole other predicament. And now this administrative office um, are angry because the Kleins, uh, remember their bakery was sweet cakes. We had Aaron Klein on our show. We're refusing to pay this a ridiculous, unconstitutional $135,000 fine, which allegedly was awarded in emotional damages to these two lesbian women that the couple declined to make a cake for their wedding ceremony, uh, uh, you know, under the grounds of their faith. So now uh, this, this just, uh, and, and, and just to refresh people's memories, the two lesbians, Rachel Cryer and Laurel Bowman, uh, they each submitted individual lists of just like a, a hundred aspects of suffering, damages, and keep that in oh, mind. for the love of God. A hundred lies each. That, remember, keep, keep in mind, they wanted damage money, okay? Keep this in mind because I'm going to report on this in just a second. Uh, but some of it was acute loss of confidence, doubt, distrust of men. Hello, obviously, if you're lesbians, you already had some sort of thing. Come on now. Uh, distrust of former friends, excessive sleep, sleep, discomfort, high blood pressure, impaired digestion, loss of appetite, migraine headaches, loss of pride, mental rape. Oh, God. Uh, Resumption of a smoking habit, shock, stun, surprise, uncertainty, weight gain, and worry. By the way, they did not have a medical doctor uh, that 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 uh, uh, confirmed any of this. Just just an FYI, okay. Uh, and if anybody sees the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, you know that there could be no excessive damages, no excessive fines, <laughs> you know, according to the Constitution. But uh, one of the women. So this is how Alan Nicola, he's a, 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 an administrative judge. With the with the uh, this administrative bureau, and so it's not even when when did an administrative branch become? We talked about this on the show before. Become part of the constitutional branches of government. I mean, this is just so. Not only is there unconstitutional fines, this is from an unconstitutional. This branch doesn't even exist. Uh, but they awarded the one lesbian seventy five thousand and the other sixty, which is how they came up with. 75, you know, this, this uh, astronomical $135,000 uh, and the aren't going to, going to pay it. Uh, so Commissioner Brad Avakin, wherever the heck he is, uh, he says, this cake is not about a wedding cake or marriage. Oregon law, that is illegal. Really? Well, under the Constitution, uh, the, the right to refuse service is legal. So uh, your law in Oregon, if it does exist, which I don't think it does, is illegal. Uh, yeah, well, those anyway. those the, these two idiots they have absolutely no authority to do anything. That that would be like me going and levying a fine on someone. Uh, you know, it's like. Uh, yeah. You know, somebody now, comes I, to me. They've got a beef with somebody else. Well, you know what? I'm going to write. I'm going to get a piece of paper out and a pen, and I'm going to. I'm going to say, well, they're fined five hundred thousand dollars. They've got to pay you that, and it's not really going to happen. But you know, they they have absolutely. They, these two people that they should be tarred and feathered. Period. That's not happening, and I guarantee Brad uh, Avakin is either homosexual himself or his daughter or son. Who knows? But. 
Charles Burr, who is the communications director for his office, said uh, it's difficult to understand the client's unwillingness to pay the debt. Okay, I guess you're, you're living in some other world. He said they are entitled to a full and fair review of the case but do not have the right to disregard a legally binding order. Well, it's, not, I, it's not a legally binding order. Let's find their address and, and ride by there and throw bricks through the window. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, anyway, now what they're, they're doing, and this is why we're reporting on it, is that in order to force them to pay, they're going to uh, put a lien on their house um, and, you know, uh, possibly take it a step further. They're saying now that they need to and that they that they are going to pay, and that's, and that's what they're saying. But get this, this is the reason why I wanted to report on this. Now that lesbian couple is saying, hey, we don't even want the money. Because now, that, now, now, now. They must be feeling some sort of guilt or conscience. Something is happening because now they're even coming out and saying we we don't want the money. We just want a verbal apology. We don't, you know, we don't want this to go any further. So, uh, and so Aaron came out and said, hey, they don't even want the money. So why are you pursuing it? So, so I, I wanted to make sure. Yes, Randy. Yeah, well, those two crooks that uh, think they have some kind of position of authority probably want to pocket the money for themselves. And if I don't think the clients are listening, but if you are, tune in tomorrow. We have a guy that can help you, and you can actually turn this around, and you can basically, uh, you can basically, uh, well, in a literal not a literal, but a figurative sense, tar and feather these two quote unquote government officials. Those two just need well, to be beaten can, behind the woodshed. You can, Randy, reach out to them tomorrow because in between, you know, what we've got going on tomorrow, I'm not, I've got to homeschool. So maybe you should let them know to tune in. Anyway, uh, another good story, a U.S. Marine, and this is good correlate Aaron here. And, 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 and Aaron needs to know about this story. A U.S. Marine calls a pro-homosexual bakery and asks for a cake with a Bible verse on it. Mm-hmm. A homosexual bakery discriminates against him and does not want to make the cake. Now an investigation is being made against the bakery for discrimination. The U.S. Marine, his name is Robert Manorino. And he called this bakery in Florida. It's called Cut the Cake. And he requested a cake with Leviticus 2013 on it. The Bible verse, for those of you who may not know. And the bakery made it obvious that they did not want to provide service for this Marine. Mm-hmm. First of all, you know, let's just keep that in mind. You know, fighting for these people's freedom. So this is what they did. They said, oh, okay, uh, yeah, we're going to charge you $150 for each letter. Not for each word, for each letter. And I'll tell you why they did that, because they knew that they couldn't just come right out and say no after after everything that's been in the news. Right. So $150. Obviously, this would cost thousands of dollars, right? So obviously, the Marine didn't, you know. He called the same bakery at some later time, disguised his voice, and asked for a simple happy birthday cake with happy birthday. And there was no such charge for any letters. So obviously this is discrimination uh, against 
uh, you know, homosex, you know, against Christianity. And uh, so, you know, obviously, you know, it goes, it doesn't go both ways. So uh, now uh, there is, uh, and I guess uh, somebody called 13 prominent pro-gay bakers in a row, and each one denied uh, uh, us the right to have a cake that said gay marriage is wrong. Uh, they wouldn't do that. So they're so anyway. This one, a marine, is taking it a step further, and it's now being investigated. Will there be any legal action? We don't know, but I'm so glad that this is happening because it shows the real truth behind the agenda. No, oh and yeah, so, and, and I was looking that up. Um, you know, it's the you know Leviticus 20:13 is the you know if a man lies with a man as with a woman and and yada yada yada, and I. <clears throat> I lost count. You know, I, I would say there's probably maybe 120, 150 characters in that particular verse. So 150 right. times 150, that's an expensive cake. Right, right, exactly. And so for anybody who says it's not in the Bible, it is. From Old Testament to New Testament, anybody who tries to deny it, it's there. And so when people say Christians are being haters, you know what, pick it up with God. Because we're just adhering to the Bible and the Word of God. We don't want to go to hell. I mean, that's what we think is going to happen. We don't want that persecution. How can you? How come you're not allowing us our right? Because we really think it's eternal death. Yours is, you know, your pride, your ego. Ours is eternal life or eternal death. That's a big deal to us. I think it's even bigger than that. You know, these Alinskyites. Remember, Saul Alinsky, Satan worshiper. These Alinskyites, that's what they are. You know, they're they're doing, uh, you know, and it's like Cher said the other, um, on, on Monday, you know, God calls his on and Satan calls his on. So there you go, neener, neener. That's what you are. If you're an Alinskyite, you are a Satanist, blah, period. Yep, very Luciferian. And speaking of Luciferian, of course, Planned Parenthood, which we also talked about on the show with Cher on Monday, and, of course, our Congress didn't defund them. And I'm telling you, I think those baby parts are used for more than just stem cell research, especially after Monday's show. I almost guarantee it. Uh, but activists still across this country um, are saying, we don't care. We're going to still continue to fight this. So there is a second international Planned Parenthood protest, a second one. Now, I only know of one because my friend Clarence, uh, thank you, Clarence, Saturday, this Saturday, October 10th, uh, is the second protest. And if you are in the Los Angeles, Lawndale area um, on Hawthorne Boulevard, that's where the Planned Parenthood is in Lawndale, uh, they're going to host their event for uh, their participation from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., The last one, just so everybody knows, was on August 22nd, and pro-lifers all across, you know, uh, the world. Over 78,000 people turned out at 354 sites throughout the U.S. uh, alone for the very first one. So kudos to them. Yeah. And that's easy to get to. uh, Hawthorne Boulevard in Lawndale. It's right off the 405. Yeah. Right. Super easy. I don't know about parking. That that might be a pain in the butt, but uh, it's it's right there. You know, you can't miss it. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Well, I have a 
couple more uh, uh, things, I'm, you know, not really news, but today Ed Baker, who's been on our show before, um, and prayers going out to Ed, who's certainly been in the hospital. Uh, but Ed, you know, came to our show and shared his story about how he was in prison and, you know, he became a Christian. It was a great, uh, you know, great show, great testimony. And he sent me something today, a video. I don't know if this story is true or not, okay? I don't know if this story is true or not, but I found it, it regardless to be quite inspirational. So uh, this, you know, young guy uh, was at a Bible study. And after the Bible study, you know, he and his friends went out for pie and discussed the Bible study. And he said, you know what? I've got, I, what I learned tonight was that I need to start listening to God no matter what. Like, I just need to hear him. I'm not doing it. So when you, after that, he got into his car and he prayed. He said, okay, God, from here on out, forgive me for my rebellion. From here on out, I just want to, whatever you tell me to do, I don't care what it is, I'm going to do it. I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to listen. And I'm going to do what you tell me to do. So he gets this, you know, his thought in his head to go buy milk. And he's like, okay. <laughs> he's like, okay, God. I don't know if that's you or if that's just a thought that popped up in my head, but I'm going to go buy milk because right after I prayed, this is the first thing I thought of, and I don't need to go buy milk. So I'm going to go do it. He goes to the market, he buys milk, all right? Then he hears, you know, this, he gets this thought in his head, turn here. You need to turn here. I was like, okay, I'm going to turn here. This is not my way home. This is going to take me away from my way home. But I told you I would listen, so hopefully I'm not being crazy. I'm going to turn here. Okay, turn here, you know. Uh, so now I want you to bend. He's in, like, an industrial sort of district that has some apartment buildings. And in the story, it's not, it's not a bad neighborhood, but it's also not a good one. And then he gets his voice, get out of the car, go take that milk, and go take it to that house where all the lights were off. And he's like, okay, this is ridiculous. I'm being nuts. I'm just, I just thoughts are coming into my head randomly. This is outrageous. How I ended up here, I don't know, but this is ridiculous. So he's going to leave. And he gets this powerful, no, go take that milk to that house. And so he's like, oh, God, I did say I would listen to you. I'm hoping this is you or I'm in space. So he gets out of the car with the milk. He goes to the door. He knocks on it. It doesn't appear that any lights are on. And the man opens the door. Uh, a very, you know, shall we say, this man obviously had been asleep. And the man looks worried and bothered. And he's thinking, oh, my God, you know, I'm, what's going to happen here? And and the guy just looks at him and goes, I, you know, I prayed and I'm supposed to give you this milk. And so the guy just looks at him, takes down the hall. The guy just stays there because the guy left the door open. And the, and the wife goes, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, and takes the milk and she, they have a baby. And the man just looks at him, and the man at the door starts crying. He said, you don't have any idea. He goes, me and my wife were just trained. He said, I've done laid off from my job. We don't have any money. Uh, we're down to pennies. I can't pay our bills, you know, the, you know, I couldn't pay the electric. Our baby was crying, and we didn't even have money for milk. So wow. right, then and there, right then and there, the guy just gave him money. All the money he had in his pocket, he just, this is all I had. And then, you know, he, he, you know, and then he, you know, he took off. So whether that story is true or not, 
I thought it was a great story and one that I felt that our listeners uh, could use. I've got one more. Okay. Uh, this is this is a story. Uh, it's it's a gem. Uh, and, and I got this one, uh, again, from my friend Clarence. My friend Clarence really sends out a lot of um, – I met him through Deal Number T, Tardine, and Marvin Stewart and all of them. Uh, I don't know if you do or not. Yeah, yeah, I remember Keith really well. Because um, he and I, we, we always got stuck on security detail. I always, uh, I always stuck you both on security. You and Jeff Swelt, whenever Jeff would come to town. Yeah, uh, and, and 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 I, I Keith, I know he used to work at the airport, and uh, I was flying out one day, and he was doing uh, security. At, you know, this was before the TSA, um, and I was like, dude, and he was like, dude, and um, I was talking to him, and I got distracted and walked off and almost left my laptop, and uh, he he actually come chase me down. Hey man, you might not, you might want to take this with you. And I was like, Oh, thanks dude. You're a lifesaver. <laughs> his wife, Elizabeth, they're an absolutely great couple, Christian couple. Absolutely love them. And, uh, and it was Keith who introduced me. I used to go to Lucy Florence, uh, cafe for these black round table discussions. And Keith was the reason why I got invited. It is a great couple. And anyway, Clarence is friends with them. And, um, anyway, this is, this is funny. So Daniel Snyder, Owner of the NFL, uh, Washington Redskins, of course, has been in the news because Obama's suing. He wants, he wants, you know, their, them to change their name. So they should. Snyder, Washington's offensive. <laughs> well, Daniel Snyder uh, announced that the team is dropping uh, the name, the name Washington, from the team name. And we'll really? You know, Redskins. It was, it... Remember this? It, it, this is a joke. It was reported oh. that he finds the word Washington a negative, uh, imparts a negative image of poor leadership, mismanagement, corruption, cheating, lying, and is not a fitting role model for young fans of football. <laughs> you know what would be funny? When I read that show. Thank you, Clarence. I needed that laugh for the day. Yeah, what? what? Really? Oh, uh, I, 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 I thought that I thought it was true because I've seen that joke floating around, which you know, and it, you know, Los Angeles is bucking for a new NFL team, um, and and I really don't want to see another cast off from another city because there's only like a couple of you know homegrown teams in LA that were actually from LA. They all came from somewhere else, and you know, like the Rams originally, they were from Cleveland, um, and they split. Uh, the Raiders were originally from Oakland, and they split. And uh, the Dodgers came from Brooklyn. Uh, the Lakers from Minneapolis. The Clippers from San Diego. What would be great would be if, you know, uh, Snyder took the Redskins and moved them to Los Angeles. You know, other than getting an expansion team, which I think would be the best thing for Los Angeles, you know, as far as getting back into the NFL, have your own homegrown team. That way, you know they ain't going anywhere, as opposed well, to another cast off. Exactly so the Redskins moved to Los Angeles, and you know. No, 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 Los Angeles. Are you kidding me? Then there would be a big push to change the name to Reconquistas. Or, or, I, I know, I know, or the 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 Los Angeles Oplons. <laughs> exactly, or the Rays. So let's not do that. Uh, anyway, we're going to come back from break. We're going to have Hal Shirt left, who we are just honored to have back on the show. Uh, oh, no doubt. 
Uh, during our, our break, during our, we always play a music break, as everybody knows. And I wanted to share a little story before we go to break and we play this song. Today I'm playing a song by Andy Grammer. I didn't know who he was. Uh, this song is Keep Your Heads Up. And he wrote this song uh, when his mom died of cancer. Apparently uh, his mom was his best friend and he was really down and out. And there's a photo uh, that they showed uh, on Dancing with us the other night. And they showed this picture of him in search crying. Uh, you know, looking up, this, up at heaven. And anyway, this song came to him, and he wrote it, and he said it lifted it up, and apparently it became a pop hit. I don't listen to pop, so I didn't know this song, but I actually liked it. And you're probably wondering, well, you never watch. Uh, you don't watch TV other than the Sharks and SpongeBob. What are you, what are you doing watching Dancing with the Stars? And if you tuned in yesterday, you would know I watched it because I had, I had read that Alex, uh, who was the guy who stopped the terrorists in the train over in Europe, was one of the contestants. And I wanted to watch to see if, is this guy MK Ultra? Would it, you know, I wanted to see if there was more dots to connect to the Oregon uh, 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 shooting uh, incident. So that was why I did. And I'm actually really glad I did. Because, you know, especially after our Monday and our, our Monday show, I was really encouraged because, Two contestants on that show, two, witnessed for Jesus. They gave great stories. There was a lot of talk about God. I was actually pleasantly surprised. So it just goes to show uh, that even though we are in, you know, Luciferian, the Luciferians may be in power, not everybody is in lockstep, and there's many of us believers out there. So uh, we'll be back from break with Alice Shirtlove. Stay tuned. You don't want to go anywhere. Stay tuned for the second half of the Wake Up Mission Show. Here at the Wake Up Mission Show, we want all of our listeners to be debt-free and financially free. We believe a free market system is best for the restoration of liberty. If you are tired of looking for a job in this hopeless market, or if you are struggling to pay your monthly bills, let us help. We have several income opportunities for you, which are tested and proven by our company, The Wake Up Mission, LLC. To learn more, go to our website, www.thewakeupmissionshow.com, and click on the Financial Solutions tab. Stop. 
compromise my life and my purpose? Is it all worth it? Am I gonna turn out fine? Oh, you turn out fine. Fine, oh, you turn out fine. But you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey. You gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey. I know it's hard, no, it's hard to remember sometimes. But you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down. comes around again, I said only rainbow after rain, the sun will always come again, and it's a circle, circling around again, it comes around, but you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey, you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey, I know it's hard, no it's hard to remember sometimes, but you gotta keep your head up, your head down, hey, and keep your head up, and you can let your head down, and keep your head up, and you can let your head down, and keep your head up, and you can let your head down, oh, no, 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 no. Welcome back to the Wake Up Mission Show. Today to join us on Wonderful Life Wednesday, Hal Sertlock. He is actually the co-founder and director of Camp Constitution. He is also a military veteran, fellow homeschooler. So for all my homeschooling friends who are listening, homeschool five children. And uh, he's born, raised, and currently lives in the original Patriot City of America. Boston. Hal, thank you so much for coming back here. You can go to campconstitution.net, everybody, and, and review it as you're listening to uh, us chat today. Thank you for coming back. Well, thanks for having me on. I think it's my third time on, so I really appreciate the opportunity to get on your great show. And by the way, I'm yeah. actually the director, not the program director of Camp Constitution. So. Well, we appreciate you, and we appreciate your support, and, and we really appreciate your Constitution Christian-minded principles. So that is, it goes along with our show. And, you know, let's start off with something upbeat. How was Camp Constitution this year? Give us an update since you've been on Well, we had, uh, we had the biggest turnout of our, let's see, seven, six camps. We started, the first camp was in 2009. We had about 120. That includes families, unencumbered minors, adults. Um, not everyone stayed the whole week, but about 90 or so stayed the whole week. And we had a lot of visitors um, come for a couple of days, maybe four or five days. So we like to be flexible. And we're looking forward to next year's camp. And we're lining up speakers uh, as we are instructors as we can. Uh, this year we had uh, Mrs. Chris Ann Hall, who if she hasn't been on your show, she should be on. She was an incredible inspiration. She's out of Florida, and she travels around the country pretty much year-round, talking about being in-season and out-of-season, uh, speaking about the Constitution, teaching about the Constitution. And one of the um, – and she, she sometimes uh, – some little-known facts uh, uh, of our history. 
And she is an attorney on, in her own right, a constitutionalist. And she has her own, uh, Chris Ann Hall, her own uh, ministry, com. And she's written several books. But um, we took a field trip to the um, the Tea Party Museum in Boston. It's about maybe 75, 80 miles away uh, from the camp. Uh, and the camp is in a nice rural setting. So uh, it's, we're not, we're not, but it's not too far from Boston. And, uh, Chris Ann Hall and her husband and, and, and boy accompanied us, and they had a phenomenal time. And like uh, she's uh, one of her, she's a big fan of James Otis, one of the sort of a lesser-known founding father, but he really was one of the most inspirational of the founding fathers, uh, according to John Adams. And you um, know, in, in his uh, sister Mercy Warren, uh, Mercy Otis Warren, who wrote a two-volume book on America's history. I'm going to be doing a little history uh, tour tomorrow, doing some videotaping in Plymouth and also Cape Cod, where she, she lived in Plymouth. And anyway, uh, uh, so uh, anyway, we had Mrs. Chris Ann Hall. We had uh, Garrett Lear, the Patriot Pastor, another great uh, national treasure, and his wife. Garrett is a descendant of a man who was a, a Minuteman, saw a Minuteman militia in Lexington, and. We had some. He he brings his uh, firing musket and does musket uh, demonstrations and uh, gives classes on uh, rich history. And his wife um, dressed up in colonial attire as well. It was just great to have them there. And we had uh, Mr. Tom Deweese there uh, for several days. Yeah, and Tom has has Tom been on your show? No, we we haven't. And we recently changed how we book things. Now it's me booking people. So uh, I definitely want him on this show. I read him. I think he's brilliant, and I yeah. would definitely like to have him on the show. Well, uh, it was good because this was like a one-two punch. I always try to. We always try to redeem the time or the uh, when we have speakers if possible. And uh, Tom gave a few classes. He flew in, and you know, we stayed for about two days, three days. But the town of Ridge, New Hampshire, is where our camp is located. It's a little town in the. Um, but it's called the Monadnock region of uh, New Hampshire, Mount Monadnock, where we actually hike. Uh, we take a hike up there during camp. And uh, in the town of Ringe, back in 2012, Agenda 21 was starting to rear its ugly head. We're talking about a town of about 5,000. And I was able to, uh, I think I've had a little role in warning people in the town. And when I uh, did that, uh, the, uh, some of the folks in town got really busy. Just a handful organized an event. 200 people came out, and within about five months, from October of 2012 to uh, to March of 2013, uh, they got a lot of education. They get some mailings, and they voted it out lock, stock, and barrel by about a three-to-one margin. Sweet. So, uh, yeah, it was phenomenal, and uh, they even had a warrant article, just like an initiative ballot question. Any money coming from HUD, the Housing and Urban Development that have to put, take a vote, the town on to vote on it. So they just, just can't come in there and sort of use the taxpayers' money to bribe local officials and get stuff on the radar. So uh, Tom was uh, a guest there at their Republican club, and it was while, we, while he was at camp, so it was good to be able to do that. And let's see. Okay. Uh, we, have, we have one of our one of our speakers is um, Thomas Edlam, who was a writer for the New American Magazine, and... Um, uh, we also we like to have a lot of homegrown, you know, like the minor leagues, you know, your AAA is actually you know in the big league. So we we get a few of our uh, few of our instructor uh, our counselors were doing classes for the first time. It went over very very well. 
And uh, little by little, we're uploading the classes up on our YouTube channel. We have a lot of classes from the last four or five years, as well as our activities. But if you go to our website, you'll be able to see um, you'll be able to see the uh, link to our YouTube channel. And and uh, as of January of this year, waves called Camp Constitution Radio. It airs on WBCQ, the planet out of Maine, out of northern Maine. Uh, every Monday at 7:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and uh, we take the we take the interviews that we do and we put them up on YouTube. So you can go to our YouTube channel and you can listen to uh, a lot of our radio shows. Uh, I had Edwin Vieira on recently. Are you familiar with uh, Dr. Vieira? Yes, yes, he's also a brilliant, brilliant mind yeah. and encourage people to read. Uh, what he writes as well. Well, yeah. I had a chance, uh, a colleague of mine who's also written, uh, we published one of his books, Camp Constitution Press, uh, mm-hmm. but the, the, he was up in New Hampshire to celebrate the Constitution Day, and I got a chance to uh, take an interview with him and had a nice chat with him. And uh, I, I had him on my radio show uh, just, just just this past Monday. And uh, let's see, yeah. So, uh, so that that's all, also on our YouTube. Oh, will be. I haven't uploaded it yet. But the interview we did, uh, he did, is up there. And so, uh, and one of the things um, that that sort of developed in the last since we last spoke, uh, my dear friend and uh, my dear friend and the man who uh, I would say is one of the pioneers of the homeschool movement. Some people refer to him as the godfather of the homeschool movement, uh, Dr. Sam Blumenfeld. Uh, Sam passed away June 1st of this year, and he bequeathed his library to me um, and 200 boxes, legal-sized boxes. And uh, it's uh, it's been a real interesting. Uh, I've 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 known I know more about this great man now than I did when he was alive. Just going through uh, because of Sam's background, his World War II experiences as a young man, his his conversion from atheism to Christianity, you know, his um, and the, the people he knew, some of the, these letters. He was the founder of American Friends for Algeria and American Friends of Katanga. And today most people have really don't know much about these two things, but back in the late 50s and early 60s, our enemies were uh, destroying, uh, destroying the, the freedom in Algeria and eventually did succeed. And in Gatanga, which was a province of what used to be called the Belgian Congo, now Zaire, which has made a lot of progress since, since, but uh, a communist that was being promoted by the, you would say, the New World Order types, Patrice Lumumba, took over the country, and a, a province seceded, led by a Christian uh, leader, mostly Chombe. Well, Sam Blumenfeld became very friendly with Chombe, and I've got some rare interviews and some letters, correspondence, both in French and English, and uh, just incredible. Uh, and one of the most um, – now, Sam took the narrow road. Uh, he was a man from New York. He lived in New York City. He was part of that conservative uh, – he, he knew Mr. Buckley. He knew Priscilla Buckley, and I've got letters from Priscilla and Sam. But he gave a presentation uh, back at, at, a, at, a, at a, an event, a uh, John Birch Society Council dinner, where he called de Gaulle a communist. And that's when he took the narrow road. And Victor Lasky – who was an author? He's written books on the Kennedys. He was he was what we would call a neocon today. Well, Victor Lasky got his friendship with Sam, and basically said, "You can't use my research for so you, you know, you're on your own. You have, you know, it's you're no longer respectable in the eyes of of we uh, we neocons." 
So that, that I have that letter. It's very fascinating too. But Sam's uh-huh. biggest legacy is uh, the history, the research he did in exposing the education establishment. Today, we you know we see Common Core, and a lot of people, thankfully, they're waking up. But this problem goes back a hundred years. And Sam was the uh, Sam wrote a book called The NEA Trojan Horse in American Education, which is still available. And I think we actually have it in a PDF format on our website. If you go to campconstitution.net, you'll see a Sam Blumenfeld collection. Uh, and you can, and he was one of the, if not the first, to make the connection between the uh, the, the, the John Dewey and Horace Mann and what we have today. And he always contended, I completely agree, the mess we have today wasn't done by stupid people. It was done deliberately, the deliberate right. dumbing down of America. And and uh, so, uh, and what Sam, what Sam, uh, his first involvement back in the late fifties, he was asked to join this literacy foundation by a colleague of his, um, Watson. He was an attorney, uh, uh, in New York, conservative attorney, and he said, uh, "Why do I have to do that? I mean." Can't schools teach people how to read? It's not that difficult. He said, no. They've changed the way they learn. They use this thing called Luxay, the the Dick and Jane books. So he said, read a book by Rudolf Fleisch called Why Johnny Can't Read. I have a collection of letters between Sam and Rudolf Fleisch, who became good friends. Even though, to my astonishment, Rudolf Fleisch was a socialist from Vienna, but he was an honorable guy and realized you've got to teach people how to read properly. So Sam had, since the early 60s, his crusade was to get phonics back and in, introduced into the American public. And he did a phenomenal job. Now, the public schools is a closed shop, and people have to realize that. Uh, you might have some little progress here and there, but it's a closed shop. They will not reintroduce phonics to any measurable extent. But uh, homeschoolers and private schools and parochial schools and Christian schools and what have you, they have the, all the, So a lot of his, his book called Alpha Phonics, 128 lessons. I taught my wife and I taught five of five our children how to read using this simple book. I don't. And Sam used to say, "You do not need puppets popping out of trash cans to teach children how to read." Not only does he teach children, but he also is able to teach adults who are functionally illiterate, and that means a whole lot of people in this country. And he's actually taught Down syndrome. So what we did is we got his. Uh, is uh, 128 lessons. We put them in a PDF format along with 128 audios for each lesson. Most of these lessons are you know, pretty quick. They're not like five-hour lessons. So you can go to our website, go to Sam Blumenfeld Collection, and you'll see Alpha Phonics. You'll be able to teach people how to read free of charge by our, on our website. And, um, and we have a collection of Sam's speeches, his audio and his uh, videos, and we're adding to it as we go. We just found, we just found a reel-to-reel, an old 16 millimeter that we're going to convert, where he was discovering the JFK assassination in 1964 and 65. So it's just a wealth of information there that uh, people can go on and learn about this great man. If you haven't learned about Sam and, and our, uh, his niece, Sam never married any children, but his. Uh, his niece, we, we pledged that his Sam's, Sam is going to become a household name and be more well-known in the generations to come than he is today. So I do listen as to, yeah. if you don't know about him. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, if you, if you haven't heard about him, get to know him. He also wrote newsletters, monthly newsletters for about 11 years or 12 years, 
all of those are up on our site. <clears throat> and uh, he wrote one of his, uh, and he, the most recent book, before he passed away, he co-authored a book with Alex Newman, who writes for The New American, The Crimes American. of the Educators, uh, published by World Net Daily. Alex Newman would be a great guest for your show, too. And he yeah. had a chapter. Have you had them on your show yet? If not, you should. No, yeah, yeah. no, I haven't, and I should because they were so kind to me during uh, during my campaign and and uh, interviewing me, and I really should. You're absolutely right. Yeah, we're going to have to put Hal in charge of booking guests. <laughs> well, you know something, I've just been blessed with meeting a lot of good <clears throat> a lot of good people come my way, and I'm I'm, I'm sort of a matchmaker, not not in the male and female marriage, but getting people together, oh. and that's a really important. Networking is one of the most important things in our movement. How? Because that's what they did. That's what the Luciferians did. They networked, and then I wanted to go back a little bit to the school for those who don't know. We have discussed this on the show before. Dewey, and not in the Dewey Decimal System, John Dewey, a completely different person, they went to pastors of the day and said, hey, uh, you know, you help us with this. Uh, and they were socialists, and their whole thing was uh, they wanted the help of the pastors in order to advance their socialist agenda uh, with the establishment of public schools. And a lot of uh, do not know that fact, so I'm glad that you brought it up again. So you've been through uh, so many great things, and you're right. We all have to have these voices, share our voices, because Time is of the essence, and it's good that your Constitution camp had a larger attendance this year than any other year, and it goes along the lines with the recent Gallup poll that showed half this country are fed up and say, you know, that government's too big, and even no, doesn't, and no Donald Trump is not a constitutionalist, but, no. he is, but he is indeed speaking for a lot of fed-up Americans, and so I think that we are seeing people wake up and wake up and I wanted to take you to something else because I don't want to, I want to make sure we cover this today. Uh, the ConCon keeps coming up. And for those who don't know, it's, a, it's a, a constitutional convention. And I'm really surprised how uh, the individuals who are supporting this, so Mark Levin, uh, the founder of HSLDA, which totally shocked me, of course, Barton and many others who claim to be constitutional, I don't understand why they are doing this. We have so many Luciferians today, the people we cannot trust. Why in the world, and I'm seeing a bigger push, I'm getting emails about it every day, people trying to convince me I need to join this movement, and I'm like, no, it is wrong. And I, how I would love for you to give some points today on, you know, why it's wrong. You know, tell well, people, because people are getting duped. I've been involved with this particular issue since 1988 when I first learned about it. And this, the last few years, has been the most intense drive to have this Article 5 convention. So this, let's back up a little bit. Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution, two means to, to amend the Constitution that our founders gave us. One of them is where uh, two-thirds of the U.S. House and Senate propose an amendment it goes to the states, and it has to be ratified by three-fourths of either the state legislatures or ratifying conventions. And uh, our, our Article 5 supporters, uh, or CONCON, or, or whatever they call it, they have different names for it, they seem to leave that part out. 
And so Congress can determine the mode of, they can determine the mode of ratification. So it can go to state ratifying committees. So these state legislators who think, oh, we're going to pass this and I'll make sure that any of these bad amendments that may come out of a convention will pass, they may never see it again. So those are the two ways. We've never had an Article 5 convention. Now, um, our detractors have been very vulgar. I, I, I'm, I'm doing a collection of uh, screenshots. And I've been involved in the freedom movement since 1988. Uh, and since 1990, on a full-time basis, a, I mean, time-and-a-half basis. And I think I've been called more ugly and filthy, disgusting things in the last year and a half by people who are supposed to be Christians than by the left, you know. And I've been called a lot of things. I've got death threats. I've got uh, I've been shot at. You know, I've had rocks thrown at me. So I've had a lot of stuff in my day. But this is the, uh, this is, this is the worst bunch of people. I think a lot of the folks are well-intentioned. Uh, and I'll, I'll concede that point. I've got a few people, uh, friends, that have bought into this for some reason. I don't understand it. But uh, now, yes, it is in the Constitution. Nobody's arguing that. The question is, uh, our founders expected it. They wanted to make the amendment process very, very difficult for good reason, because they didn't want frivolous, arbitrary things, emotional things. So two-thirds is what they set the bar at. Two-thirds of the states, 34 states. And so they expected debate. That's because a talk show host by the name of Mark Levin gets on the radio and insults people and yells at people. That doesn't mean we have to have one. Just because a man like um, Mike Farris at the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, who wants to leave a legacy, he's just one of the most arrogant people I've come across. Uh, and if you ever see him in some of these debates, see, he's used to his, he's used to a homeschool audience who is highly regarded. Although, some not all homeschoolers, and we're one of them. Our homeschool family, and and I can I don't I can go into that some other time. Uh, he's pushing a couple of very dangerous things, and I don't know if he wants a legacy or what. He's pushing something called a parental rights amendment. Now you back up and say, wait a minute, Hal, what's wrong with a parental rights amendment? And if you read the wording, you would discover that that this amendment will give the federal government power over the families formally. I mean, they're already usurping that, but it will give formal power. This is the same man who said no to the, um, the so-called Equal Rights Amendment back in the 70s, you know, that Phyllis Schlafly was working against. But he wants this, and he, he buys into the notion of compelling state interest. And you know what that means? Anything the state wants. So that's a dangerous, very dangerous proposal. And if you go, and he's got a guy like Grover Norquist on his board at parentalrights.org. Grover Norquist, a Council on Foreign Relations member, a man that was an advisor to the um, GoProud, a homosexual group, that's the kind of Christians you have working for you, Mike? Come on. Wake up, Christians. Then he, had, um, then he has this, he has, and you could go right to the Convention of States. and right, He wants a 50-member Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, to be appointed by each state for a six-year term. That's really going to solve our problem, isn't it? Could you imagine having a lame duck? And they tell us, oh, no crazy amendments will ever be passed. Well, my goodness, you already got two. The two that you say are, are great amendments are the craziest I've heard in a long time. Um, and, uh, and so that, that's one thing here. Now, they'll say, well, we can control the delegates. We can control the setting. Congress will have no say in it. We're about to publish in 1979... There was the, uh, the United States Senate, Senate uh, Judiciary Committee on the Constitution, led by Orrin Hatch, who wanted an Article 5, uh, had hearings on two bills, two Senate bills that were never passed, uh, 
they, it passed in the Senate, but it didn't pass in the House. Congress believes it has the power to control an Article Five convention under Article One, Section Eight, the um, the Necessary um, uh, and Proper Clause. I think it's Clause Eighteen. Uh, so Congress thinks it does, and it has a history of trying to do it. You see, so we're told that Congress has no say in it. We can make agreements prior to the meeting. We can even have states pass laws that will control the delegates. They tried that in New Hampshire. Thankfully, the governor, who's not no prize, she vetoed it. Uh, but what happens is that how are you going to enforce a, a law passed in a state that's where the, the crime is going to be committed outside the state? It's impossible. You see, so any agreement they make, that any group makes, and the Convention of States is the biggest group, and they're saying, oh, we've got, we've got working papers, or we know how it's going to run. The minute the delegates are seated, they can say, we don't care about the rules. And who are these folks that think that they're going to control a convention? Just look around the country and see the makeup of the population. And Alan right. Keyes, God bless him, he was at this event with, uh, in New Hampshire a few weeks ago. He was very adamant. He said, how are you going to control the, the Bush faction or the right. Christie faction or the Romney right. faction? Right. You know? Not even that, but you're in New York, you're in Chicago, you've got the Luciferian Marxist faction. Well, you've got, yeah, you've got the leftists. Now, now right. working together, you see, it's, I think it's okay. If you have an, uh, an item, you're against something, and you, you form a coalition, and you're for it, fine. I mean, the, uh, this issue, people on the left that are against an Article 5 convention, if they want to testify to hearings and work, I'm okay with that. But I'm not going to work with people who want to rewrite our Constitution. And by the no. way, the Convention of States, I get their emails, and sometimes they, they say a lot in their emails. Um, Mark Meckler, who is the founder, the guy that came out of nowhere, you know, he was, like know. A lieutenant, he was like he was like a lieutenant colonel. Next thing you know, he's a four-star general, right? Uh, right, he said sure in an email, and I have all I save all these and I screenshot them. He said that we will we need to change the rules. So they're not talking about a couple of minor tweaking, a couple of amendments. Mike Farris talks about um, he talks about um, uh, structural change. And if you go to his website, the Con Convention of States website, they have a five-minute video. He says he's not blushing. Structural change. So we're talking about they're talking about a fundamental changes to the Constitution, and uh, and so there's a group called Wolfpack. This is a left with the left wing side of this problem. Uh, the founder of this group is uh, Cenk Erger. He is the uh, founder of Young Turks. Young Turks is part of the part of the media consortium funded by George Soros. But if you say now, I'm not saying Wolfpack is directly funded by Soros, but Soros is funding the founder. You see. And they are working very close. And this was more evident in New Hampshire when um, the, uh, the fellow who was the executive director of Wolfpack, uh, Ryan Clayton, uh, came, uh, when he came into the hearing room, he sits right next to the Convention of States New Hampshire guy, and they're like, oh, buddies, they're, they're all talking a game plan here. And it was interesting when he testified. He used the term conspiracy theory. These people that talk about a runaway convention, conspiracy theories, well, I was at that 2011 conference on the Constitutional Convention forum at Harvard, and I had Larry Lessig, the leftist professor that's also part of this coalition. He's being interviewed by Chick Erger, and towards, it was a short interview. And uh, Erger said the first one we had that gave us this Constitution was a runaway. 
let's hope we have another runaway. And Larry Nessick said, said let's, uh, let's, and they laughed about, yeah, we need another runaway convention. Ha, ha, ha. So the founder of this group is advocating a runaway convention. Meanwhile, this guy is testifying, saying it's a conspiracy theory. So, interesting. Uh, a couple of years back, you know, I spoke at some parties, but I also was invited to Occupy LA because it was actually coordinated originally by some Freedom Ron Paul, you know, uh, supporters. Of course, yeah. wasn't so often in LA like it was everywhere else. But I remember a progressive came up to me and handed me a flyer for the ConCon, and I looked at all my Ron Paul friends and I said, "See, this is fine." This is not something we, we need to support. It, so right. that right there, in addition to everything else you said, it is wrong. But I've been getting emails from them saying that they're closer than ever before. Is there any truth to that? Or Well, no, well, I see. Uh, the closest they've been, uh, well, actually, if you go back to the 19-teens, uh, they were pushing for the uh, what became the 17th Amendment, and they were probably one one state away uh, Congress end up passing the 17th Amendment, you know, and then going to the states. And the 17th Amendment was a progressive uh, amendment that took the power of state assemblies, state capitals, state legislators, and when they had the general election of um, – see, U.S. senators were chosen by state legislators. U.S. senators were ambassadors from the states to the federal government. Now they're just you know, six-year congressmen. Um, so that was something – one state away – Back in the mid to late 80s, we were two states away from a convention, uh, and it was for the call of balanced budget, which sounds very appealing. Okay, So right now, it's hard to say. We act like we're about seven states away. 27 states have what we think are live calls for an Article 5 convention. Now, it doesn't matter what the call is for, uh, but it's, a lot of things are up to Congress. Congress can theoretically call in tomorrow. They say, hey, we've got 700 calls since 1797. We're going to call one. Uh, but uh, according to the, uh, con- uh, the Congressional Research Services, they've had a couple of reports the last couple of years. And it's not a question of what I think or what Mike Farris thinks or what you think. It's what Congress thinks, the members of Congress what? think. Uh, so the, uh, and they, go to, they look at Congressional Research Services. It's a pretty reliable, reliable source. It's possible that Congress may not acknowledge any call over seven years or they may not acknowledge any call that's not exactly worded. So we act like we're, we're, we're uh, seven states away. We may be uh, l- less than that, but we have to be very you know, vil- vigilant. Now, the Convention of States, I think they've only got five states that have actually passed their resolution in the last several years. They've, got, they've, got about, they've had about 38 states that introduced the resolution. Uh, and uh, we, uh, no, I, I operate out of New England and New York, and we beat back... And, you know, it was, I don't know how we did it because we don't have nearly the funds they have. We just have a little, we have a little bit of truth and shoe leather, and they have a lot of money. And uh, in New Hampshire, they had uh, the Wolfpack, Ryan Clayton, and they had the Convention of States. They brought Mike Farris up. They wind and dine legislators. You know, we had our co- press conferences, and we, uh, we, had our, we did our thing, and we did a lot of work, a lot of preemptive work getting information in the hands of legislators. So uh, we were able to kill, and some of it was done on parliamentary procedure, which was which is good. Uh, we were able to kill all of the calls, and we did the same thing in Maine. And, boy, they had a lot of people out in Maine. We had we had a secret weapon, though, an attorney from uh, from Connecticut, uh, Deborah Stevenson, uh, and she came up and, uh, and she did a wonderful job. And we were able to um, 
make a difference. And but uh, there's new calls coming. In Massachusetts, they've got uh, two calls that we're going to be testifying in the late late October. So I would say that we're about um, we're seven states away from one, <clears throat> but we have to act like uh, you know like. Yeah, we have to act like um, you know it's it's critical. And whatever state you're in, I, I recommend you know there's some great resources out there to learn about this and take action. Uh, there's a website, there's a Facebook page called Stop the Constitutional Convention. You get a lot of updated information on there. And uh, a group that's really working hard is the John Birch Society, JBS.org. You can go to that website and get. Um, now, what Camp Constitution is doing is that, in fact, I was just talking to uh, our, our, the guy, that, the company that publishes our material. Um, I have a copy of the 1979 report, the Senate report. And what makes this important is it demonstrates, it's proof that Congress thinks they can control in Article 5. Uh, it's 1,300 pages. It's not something you kind of get excited about reading. And it has here testimony from people on both sides of the spectrum. It's not just all against, uh, but it has. Um, uh, but it, it, it's great research, and we're going to reprint this. In fact, we should have it available in a week or so, and I'll let you folks know about it if you're interested. It's it's available in PDF format, uh, PDF format uh, right now. Um, if you go to scribd.com and put in. Uh, uh, procedures for Constitutional Convention 1979 should be able to find it. If not, I'll be happy to send you a link to it. Uh, but this is important because it demonstrates, it's proof that Congress is of the opinion that a convention, uh, that they will control a convention. Now, uh, Edward yeah. Vieira, uh, Edward Vieira has a very interesting perspective. Uh, we're told by the Ferris people that the Supreme Court's out of control, although they will not come out and, and condemn the uh, decision there that uh, that this uh, single-sex marriage nonsense. They won't come out and condemn it because they're working with the progressives and they're working with the neocons who could care less about this. So they can't, they don't have the moral courage to come out and say this decision constitutional and it's wrong and it should be overturned. But anyway, they tell us that the Supreme Court will, uh, will we have to have an Article 5 convention to control the Supreme Court. But if there's any any problems with the, uh, with the delegates or with the convention itself, would they go? They have to go to the Supreme Court, right? They'll have to hear whatever case comes out of it. So, so they, the entity that they want to they want to overturn will have the final say, you know. And, and they actually, you know, so it's a little a little, a little uh, dilemma for these people. Now they'll angrily say, "What?" They'll angrily say, "What's your solution?" You know, I remember I'm 56, but I remember when Nixon had his wage and price controls, and I remember hearing people say, "At least he did. He's doing something." As of doing something bad is better than doing nothing, right? Right. Uh, we hear that too much these days, too. Well, you yeah. got to do something. Right. You know, well, like, doing, this is what let's we do. pass now, it I, to see what's in it, you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. What, what what we did, I mentioned what happened in Ringe, New Hampshire. That stuff like that is happening and can happen all over the country. Um, yesterday, I had uh, I, was, I was doing this wonderful six-part series called The Constitution is a Solution. And uh, we had a small turnout. We had some really good people come to the meeting, and I asked a couple of questions, and these people are conservative-minded, and they're somewhat informed, and they come because they, yeah, we need more, and I tell people, look, I'm no expert on the Constitution. I'm learning, I learn things all the time, and uh, so I'm not here as a person that has all the answers, but I said, uh, who's your member of Congress? And they didn't know. And oh. I asked, what kind, of, what kind of government do we have? And they didn't know. Oh, you see? God. 
So, so yeah, but no, the fact is, they don't know. Most people don't know. But I want to fast forward now because I agree with you on, and I call it the con, con. The con, but, con, uh, con, yeah. Yes, but the exec, you know, Obama, in light of his uh, false flag operations, of course, uh, now wants gun control, and now the White House is talking about doing an executive order on gun control and wanting to know what it can be done to stop it because Congress certainly hasn't stopped him on absolutely anything. Well, first off, an Article 5 convention, even if you ever have one, it's going to be it's going to take five to six years or even more before any of this stuff can, even if everything goes as smoothly as its supporters say it will, it will take five to six, maybe ten years before any of this stuff is going to be uh, going to come to fruition. Um, uh, the best way, first off, the Constitution, there's no mention of executive orders. You know, I, I've read it. It's not. It's only, you know, what? Uh, it's not that big of a document. You know, there's only uh, seven articles and 27 amendments, right? So it's not that much there uh, to read. A lot of meat there. Executive orders are something that the president may issue to uh, administer the executive branch. That's about it. If he wants to disarm the Secret Service agents, that's his business, right? Uh, but he can't disarm the country. That's totally unconstitutional. So what? But yeah. the problem is the local folks that will be implementing it, the local sheriffs, the local police chiefs. So it's up to us, you know, to uh, – we don't want to look at the local law enforcement as the enemy. And I know some people will look at, oh, you're the bad guys, you're the bad guys. Well, some of them are the bad guys only because that's the way they've been trained. Uh, but the idea is to make them into constitutionalists. And uh, i give you an example of how that happened. Uh, you, you know who Sheriff Mack is, of course. Yes, of course. Sheriff Mack, well, well, back in the mid-90s, during the, when the Brady Law was first passed, uh, there was a sheriff in Vermont by the name of Sheriff Sam Frank, Orange County. And I got to know mm-hmm. from, uh, Sam. He's in Virginia now. I don't think he's still a sheriff. But uh, he told me that initially he opposed the Brady Law, not on constitutional grounds, but the fact is that his county had to pay to implement it, and they didn't have the money. But along the way, he became a constitutionalist. He ended up hooking up with Sheriff Mack. If you're going to hang out with Sheriff Mack for more than a day, you're going to learn about the Constitution. You have no choice. You know? um, and a lot of I, I've met a lot of people in, the, in law enforcement that have become better policemen because of, of their understanding or appreciation of the Constitution. So that's the that's that's our line of defense. And I know there is there's a, a sheriff in Milwaukee. Uh, and uh, it was his, his name, Clark. I can't think of his last name. Uh, he's really Sheriff helpful. Clark. Clark, yes. I I think he has the same name as the principal in New Jersey. They made a movie about him back in the 70s. Uh, uh, Joe Clark, Principal Joe Clark. You know, went around with an axe handle, and all the gangbangers were kicked out of school. Yeah, uh, those are the people that would be a line of defense. I'm sure if you live in that county, uh, that would not be implemented. In fact. The sheriff can start arresting these federal these federal marshals. Now, when that yeah. uh, when Kim Davis was ordered when Kim Davis was ordered to uh, issue a license by a federal judge, the yeah. sheriff should have said, "You cannot enforce this, and if you try to, I'm going to put you." Instead, they put they put her in jail. They should have put the federal judge in jail. And that's that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to have to happen if if he dares tries to do that. Well, I do know this because I do talk to Sheriff Mack and, and, and others. And a lot of and a lot of Americans have tried educating their local sheriff, local uh police chiefs that don't want anything to do with it. I I'm I'm I kid you not and they're like, Nope, we're just gonna do our job the way we do it. So 
There is a lot of that going on in this country, and I can tell you that anybody who lives in Los Angeles County is going to have zero luck in that in that era. So, uh, well, you know what? What other solutions? I mean, if he because he has said he's very serious, and by the time he's out of office, that there will be gun control in America. Well, I live I live in a liberal Boston. No one's going to accuse Boston yeah. of being a Bible Belt area. Uh, the Boston Patrolman, the Boston Patrolman's Association is a relatively conservative entity. And Obama was in town on uh, on Labor Day to give a little speech. And the policemen in uniform turned their backs on him. You know, so wow. I, I, get a, I get a sneaking suspicion that the Boston policeman, maybe the liberal police chief, will bow down and the, and the mayor will bow down to whatever Obama wants. But the rank and file will say, we're not, we're not complying. Yeah, well, the rank, yeah. the, the rank so. and file guys are the ones that uh, they're going to send out to people's homes, and it's not going That's to right. end well for either side. Even um, in, in my county, the sheriff's a Democrat, you know, proud to be a Democrat, actually, you know. that. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, I went to the North Carolina Day of Resistance. It was that National Day of Resistance thing. And, um, you know, the... Um, well, uh, you know, some of my guard rider brothers were there. Uh, you know, that's how I found out about it. So we went, and he actually came to speak there. And you know, th- this sheriff, he said, I, he said, I am not sending my people out to your home to collect your guns. He said, if anything came down the pike like that, he said, the first thing I would have to do is confiscate my guns and my wife's guns, and we're not about to give them up, and we're not going to ask you people to give yours up either. He said, it's not going to happen here. Trust me, I am not going to do it. We don't have time for it, for one. For two, it's unconstitutional. And three, it's stupid. And even him saying that, and and I felt sorry for the guy because the public, just they just ripped into this poor guy and handed him his head even after he said that you know, I was like, man, I, I I'm not real, I'm not a big fan of cops, but well, Obama's I feel not invincible. Obama's not invincible, and I know that he's not stupid either. So uh, he might just be overplaying his hand here. Uh, I think he's going to have a lot of trouble. I mean, he's he's been getting a lot of bad stuff done, and of course, uh, just a couple of days ago, his attorney general was at the UN talking about a global police. And right. this is nothing new. Uh, back in 1961. Uh, State Department document 7277, go into your your, uh, search engines and find it. Uh, This was proposed under the John F. Kennedy administration where they talked about having a world-standing army and only people in the United States that will have any weapons will be the uh, police forces, the international police force. So that's something that's been on the agenda for many years. This is nothing new. It's just that it's becoming more, they're more bold about it. What's that document? Huh? What's that State Department document number? State Department document 7277. And oh, okay. uh, I have it up on my script page. If you can't find I'll give you a hard I can send you a hard copy if you want. Um, so that uh, that's, you know, that's something that's been a long time. And it, the policy is still there. It's never been rescinded. And, uh, and it doesn't mean they're going to be successful just because it says something on a piece of paper that this is what they want to do. Right. Speaking um, of, of course, Speaking of something that's on a piece of paper in the UN, uh, they just revamped, uh, they renamed, put it on steroids, Agenda 21. It's now right. the 2030 Agenda. Uh, now, I have to admit, you know, I can, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a strong woman, but their 2030 Agenda 
you know, Gina 21 on steroids is a bit disconcerting. Well, and the U.N. has meetings. They have meetings all the time, and they have all these protections. They were supposed to eradicate poverty and war by by 2000 or by 215 or by this date or by that date. So, um, uh, but I think, and I think the Agenda 21, I know it, that it's sort of, um, it was really, opposition to it has really gone gangbusters from, from 2011. It sort of died down. Uh, but I think it will start. People will start realizing it, and of course, as as it's being implemented more and more, they'll people will be, hey, maybe those crazy kooks uh, that we've been listening to on this blog talk, maybe they got, got something there. But we see evidence of it. At the same time, we've seen some a lot of opposition to it. And what's interesting is that Italy had to change their game plan. You know, the International Council for Local Environmental Initiative, uh, because the fact that they were putting their towns every, you could go up to the website and see the United States and then what state you're in and all the different towns and cities that belong to it. Well, they changed that because we were picking them off one by one. You know, people were leaving and so forth. And, uh, and of course, Common Core is a, a part of Agenda 21. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they're calling Obama's, uh, they're calling the, uh, Obama's uh, police, the, the, the goal of taking over the police departments is oh, oh, cop, Obama, how do they call it, cop, Obama cop corps or something like that. Uh, you know, they just, uh, so it's all part and parcel with the same program. And the Article 5, I use this term to make the Constitution Common Core compliant. That's what Article 5 is about. I think that the goal of Article 5, the ultimate goal of the Article 5 Convention, is to formally get rid of this terrible thing called the U.S. Constitution. It's, it's, uh, we can still call it that, and, but we're just going to change it a bit. We're going to tweak it so it's, and one amendment, one amendment that's passed can dramatically alter the Constitution. And some of these people are so arrogant, they scoff and laugh. Oh, that will never happen. They said Obamacare would never happen. They said same-sex same marriage would never happen. You know, they said we'd never have a trillion-dollar debt, so forth and so on. So, yeah, it's happening because not enough people share the worldview that we share. And when the Supreme right. Court decision, uh, this ridiculous uh, decision of this uh, same-sex marriage stuff, so-called, they, that was a formal declaration of war against uh, traditional uh, believing Christians. Yeah. Formal yeah. declaration. And we've become de facto and de jure second-class citizens. That doesn't mean right. we have to stay that way. Uh, but the very notion of a Supreme Court a justice saying, we'll put you in jail until you change your view, you know, that, that's an impeachable offense, but right now it's just not enough people. Uh, uh, you know, we're fat, dumb, and happy. We've got our baseball, we've got our football, and hey, I don't mind a little diversion. I think you have to have a little bit of you go crazy, but uh, we're a little, our, our culture is obsessed with it, and uh, I think that as uh, as people get uh, you know maybe a, a couple more businesses shut down and a little bit of a recession. Now Edwin Vieira is not alone, but he says that he's more concerned about a major um, a major uh, depression. Uh, economic downturn, and then he said, because that might lead to uh, an Article 5 convention, too, but he's more concerned about an economic downturn in the next couple of years. Again, I'm not a pro- I know I know back in the 70s when I first became a little aware of things, I was hearing these doomsday scenarios, the late great planet Earth, you know, we've got six months, we've got six years, we've got this, we've got that, but right. we're still here by the grace of God, you know. So. Right, right, right. Well, like September was supposed to be a major collapse in the economy and the end the end of the world basically but well, here we are but there was a lot of people from just you know Edwin to Jeff Berwick 
you know, quite a few people are saying the same thing, though, about the economy. It's not just a few doomsdayers this time. Right, right. I I think people should take heed. You know, at the beginning of the show, we were showing what happened with PayPal, uh, you know, having been shut down uh, Monday night, and that's not the first time that a banking system has had this icon to trust from. So I think people should heed the warnings, and you know, and uh, do what they need to do for for survival. Uh, so, well, you know, we have we we have a lot of freedoms left in this country that most countries can only dream about. The very fact that you have this show on Blog Talk Radio, that we have plenty of, we have the internet, we have all kinds of means of getting the word out, and uh, and I know we're deviating a little bit from our wonderful camp program, but um, the, the camp, our little, our camp, I got a wonderful little uh, message from one of our first-time campers. He said he he passed a civil, uh, a citizen course with flying colors thanks to what he learned at Camp Constitution. That's is why our little camps have our little camp has to grow. We have to get people around the country to start their own, and I'll be more than happy, as time and schedule allows it, to help to go out there. I've um, I've had a few people have showed an interest in doing something like we do. Uh, I'd be happy to go out there and sort of, hey, this is how you can do it locally. Uh, you get, I don't care where you are in the country. There's talent to draw from. There's financial resources in it. You know, it's more of a time commitment than anything else. It's a financial commitment like anything worthwhile. But there's nothing more. And, and we like the idea of a family camp, too, because – uh, whether, whether families in a church setting or in a setting in our camp, it's it's important that there's young and old. It's not, and we have grandparents there. We had three generations of people, because and we learned together, and uh, and that's the way to do it. And uh, you imagine if we had a camp like this uh, that that operated year round in every state, and it could be done. Right. You know? Right. And uh, you know, it's just, and not only that, but it's incredible networking too. You know, we. We need to find out who who can help us here and who can help us there and what who's an expert on this subject, who's an expert on that subject, and that's how we're able to. That's how we're going to win. How we're going to overturn it. It's about and Thomas Jefferson said that that it was about educating uh, the masses, training them up in liberty, and of course it's really biblical because God said you you, you must train them up in in my word. But go to campconstitution.net again campconstitution.net. And if you are listening and you feel the call to host, please, uh, please do so. Uh, so, Hal, we only have uh, less than two minutes. Any final word that you would like to say before we need to go? Well, what I would say is that uh, please use our resources at our website. Uh, visit our YouTube channel. Uh, visit our, um, our script page. Uh, that's Sam Blumenfeld Collection. Uh, there's some wonderful resources there. If you're interested in being a sponsor, by the way, we have your radio show as a sponsor because you've given us wonderful time. So people scroll down. You want to help us uh, become a sponsor. It doesn't cost much money. And you can also listen to us on shortwave uh, every Monday night at 730 Eastern Standard Time. In fact, I recommend, I want to talk to you off air maybe tomorrow about um, uh, a friend of mine owns the station up there, and he uh, has uh, some some opportunities that you can probably get some some serious airtime for very very short money or even maybe no money at all. So um, I'll talk yeah. about that. But it's uh, it's on uh, WBCQ the Planet um, shortwave and out of Monticello, Maine. And you, go, you can actually listen to it online too uh, when it's on, or go to YouTube and we post the shows as we can, you know, uh, as time permits. So. Uh, and I want to also people support this radio show, and uh, we were happy to help out a little bit. And I think it's a worthwhile, yes. and really, I appreciate what you both do. 
we really so, appreciate it because we have monthly expenses that, you know, Natty uh, on our team has been covering, and so we really appreciate it, and we really appreciate you coming back on the show again today. Thank you, Hal, very much. Again, campconstitution.net. And, okay, uh, God bless you. God bless you, too. And tomorrow we will be back again for Tree of Liberty Thursday. And, of course, as always, we have Michael C. School in the second hour. Now, Dale, remember, it is a wonderful life no matter what we're going through. We'll be back. Thank you for your time. Welcome back to the Wake Up Thank you for spending your time with us on the Wake Up Mission Show. There are lots of things you can spend your tax refund on, but one thing you don't have to spend it on? A new smartphone. Switch to MetroPCS now and get not one, but two free 4G LTE smartphones for brands like Samsung and LG. Plus, you're on T-Mobile's blazing fast nationwide 4G LTE network. Hurry, switch to MetroPCS and get two free smartphones after instant rebate. One heck of a deal, only at MetroPCS. Limited time offer. Sales tax not included in phone price. Coverage and services not available everywhere. See store for details and terms and conditions. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar! Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. 